And that is that when you ride a bicycle, unless you're going downhill really fast, like I am, then you would be able to ride a bike only because of your own power. And so, good morning. And so while I'm riding around, the only way that this bike can move forward is because I'm pedaling and I'm providing all the power that is needed for this bike to move the way that it's moving, unless it's going downhill, which it did. Now, you didn't think I could do that, did you? How many of you honestly thought he's going to crash and fall and bang his head and this is all going to turn into a fiasco? Okay, yeah. But it didn't happen. There are other things that we sometimes use that are self-powered. Like, for instance, let's imagine that I'm going to uh, go out here and I'm, I'm mad at Margaret Cole, okay? And Margaret is the one who takes care of the flowers out here in front of the church building. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm just so tired of Margaret. She's uh, really gotten under my skin. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down or go out to the church building and I'm going to cut all of Margaret's flowers down. Okay, so I get some shears and I start cutting Margaret's flowers. Well, if I'm going to use these shears to cut Margaret's flowers, just like the bicycle, it's all by my own power. Like there's this implement that somebody made. But if this thing is going to work, it's only going to work because Kelly has really strong arms or something like that. Okay? Then there are other things that also produce uh, work and require power. Like we call these things when something produces work and it requires power to do so, and it's not just human power, then we call those machines. Right? And there's some very simple machines. There are some machines that are more complicated than others. Here's a machine that is more complicated than others, but it definitely does work. And so if I was mad at Margaret and I wanted to really speed things up in terms of being able to tear her flowers down or cut them down, then I might use this machine, and it would sound something like this. And it'd be really loud. Okay? Now, what's interesting about this machine is that there's at least... There's at least two different kinds of power that have to be there in order for that machine to work. On the one hand, you've got gasoline that's burning. You can tell. But there's only one way for that gasoline to burn. And that is that there has to be some kind of spark put into a chamber. And the chamber comes up and compresses air and gas together. And that spark goes off and that ignites the fuel. Well, the spark only goes off if there's electricity. And so it's interesting because this particular mechanism produces electricity all by itself. Notice there's no cord. I pull on the handle. It starts to work. And as it works, it actually produces its own electricity and sends its own electricity into this spark plug that ignites the fuel in the cylinder. And it blows up and causes that piston to go up and down and for this thing to work, and eventually through a shaft and some gears, it turns this thing, and it does work. Okay? And you heard it. It works. Well, all of that is cool. However, neither the bicycle nor the shears, which require absolutely all of my power in order to work it, or it only will work if it is generated by me, or this thing here... This thing will work, 
but only if there's gas and fuel and all of that to make it work. And as far as the electricity, it's got to, it's got to be generated somehow from outside in order to make it work from the very beginning. And it's not an, uh, an unending kind of source of power. It's going to run out of gasoline or the spark plug will work bad or whatever, and it'll stop working. Okay? But then we have this machine, which if I was going to go cut down Margaret's flowers, it may be that this is the one I would use. Okay? I need some assistance here. Wayne, <laughs> would you just come and stick your head? Uh, no. <laughs> Wayne, would you come and just plug that in for me right there? There's an outlet right there. You may have to get down on your hands and knees to see it, but there's an outlet. Do you see that? Would you plug that in? Okay. All right. This thing works too. Now, what's interesting about this one is that this one doesn't take any kind of starting motion for me. Like, it technically does because I have to pull the trigger. But if this didn't have a trigger on it, in fact, I think I can just... I don't even have to pull the trigger. It just works. This one... This one, I have to pull the cord. If I don't pull the cord, it's not going to start. This one, if I don't work the shears, they're not going to work. The bicycle, if I don't pedal, it's not going to work either. Wayne, would you unplug it for me, please? Thank you very much. You thought I was going to cut something? You thought I was being unsafe? Well, it's possible. I could have. My point is this. This takes my power... That takes my power. I at least have to pull on the cord. The shears take my power. But this thing is interesting. Because once I press that button and it's on, as long as Wayne keeps that plugged in, it's going to work. I don't have to do anything. It just works. And that is not unlike the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Because... When it comes to the Holy Spirit empowering the church and us doing things for the Lord in his name, there is no human source of that power. Like electricity comes through our walls and into our appliances, our tools, and it just works. It's just there. Now, again, the analogy is not perfect because we want this thing to be able to turn off and Indeed, it does. The Holy Spirit, however, comes to us as a source of power that is just there, given to us by God, and you don't provide anything to supplement or implement that power. And so you turn to Acts chapter 2, which I'd like all of you to do, please. You turn to Acts chapter 2, and you start to get a picture for how God wants to work in the life of the church. And in this case, there's not even a a plugging in. Unless, of course, you want to talk about being plugged into Christ. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, 
And by the way, they're all together in one place because, as we saw from last week, they've been praying. They have been gathering together in prayer, and God has been mightily blessing them because of their time together in prayer. So Jesus ascends into the heavens, they begin to pray, and then God sends to them a source of power. He does exactly for them what he says he's going to do. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send someone who's going to be with you. And he just comes. They pray and are open to God blessing them. And the Holy Spirit comes. So they're all together in one place because they've been praying and seeking the Lord. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, as far as I can tell from the text, none of these people had learned these languages on their own. The reason that all these different people are there is because it's the day of Pentecost. It's a Jewish festival at which three times a year, people, the Jews, all had to come to Jerusalem and celebrate this festival. So they come to Jerusalem to celebrate, and they've come from all over the Mediterranean world. But they, the apostles themselves don't know the languages of all of the people that have come. So the apostles stand up and begin to preach and the power source that is there available for them begins to work through them and to communicate the gospel to the people who are gathered there. And so there's all these different people who've come from all over the Mediterranean world and they hear the wonders of God. They hear the good news of Jesus being proclaimed in their own tongue. And of course, as the text says, they're absolutely amazed. In fact, they conclude that something strange must be going on. Now, I'm not sure exactly the rationalization between they've had too much wine or they're drunk and the fact that they can speak languages that they didn't learn. How many of you, you think once you were drunk would be able to start speaking languages that you previously hadn't learned? I wouldn't be. Maybe slobbering a bit or something, but there wouldn't be new languages that I'd be speaking. They nonetheless think there's got to be some explanation for this, and they haven't concluded yet that the explanation is the Spirit of God having come upon these men. They haven't concluded that it's definitely Jesus who is the source of the power for them being able to do this. And yet he is. And this same power, of course, is alive and available to the church. And the best thing about this power, aside maybe from the fact that it's all powerful, is that to access the power doesn't require any special effort from you and me. Like if you've ever thought to yourself, I'd like to do wonderful things in the name of Jesus Christ. I'd like to do things for God. I'd like to accomplish things through the church, in the church, as a part of the body of Christ that just are beyond me. I'd like to do wonderful things for Christ. And you think to yourself, how will I ever get that ability? How will I ever get that power? Well, the power is just there. The apostles didn't do something special. They were just there. In fact, you could say that they were just there at the disposal of God. And so the question this morning might simply be this. 
Are you willing to be at the disposal of God? And it's a big question. That is not a little question. It's a question that human beings for a long time have had to face as they hear the calling of God on their lives. You know, sometimes people talk about calls to ministry. Oh, he was called into the ministry. He had a special role to play. God called him to do this. Some of you might have wondered, have I been called to preach? Have I been called to be a full-time worker in the church? So we, we know that language. We understand what it means to be called in that way. But I would say that all of us have actually been called. I don't think there's anybody who's a Christian who hasn't been called. You may be called in some different way. Like I think I was called to work in full-time ministry and to do this actually in Canada. And for the time being, for sure, I'm called to do it in in Calgary. Maybe for the rest of my life. I don't know what God will do with that. But there's there's a call on my life that I need to respond to. Where Jesus is saying to me, There is a power and an ability to do things in my name that I want to offer to you. And all I'm really needing is you to just be open to my call and to hear it, to respond when I call. And when you do the power source that is available to you, I'm just going to send it upon you. So the apostles are willing to answer the call of Jesus. And they they hear Jesus say, don't leave Jerusalem. I'm going to send upon you my Holy Spirit. Stay there. And something is going to happen like you can't imagine. And so they make themselves available. And the Holy Spirit indeed does come upon them in wonderful ways. And a power source that they couldn't have begun to imagine comes on them and enables them to do things that they couldn't have begun to do on their own. And that call, I think, is present for every one of us. Some of you serve in wonderful ways. We've already mentioned Joanne this morning and the fact that next week she's going to be participating in the clothing exchange and she's done this for years. Most of you know that in addition to the clothing exchange and the way she serves and participates there, that she also, she and Larry, work in the pantry that we have just back behind this wall over here. And there are numerous individuals and families every week that are fed out of this building because of the work that Larry and Joanne do. Now, I don't know that Joanne's ever put it this way, but if you ask her, do you feel called to that ministry? I think she would say yes. And if you ask her, do you think that in being called to do this ministry that God also enables you to do so with his power? Does the Holy Spirit come on you, Joanne, and enable you to do things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise be able to do? And I think she would say, if she thinks about it for very long, that the answer is yes. Because I think it gets tiring feeding this, filling this pantry with food week after week after week after week for years and years and years and years and years. I think it must get tiring to do all of the organizing of those clothes a couple of times a year. Fill this place with clothes and take it down here and organize the team and put all those clothes out. And then have a throng of people come in on a Saturday and take all of those clothes away from here. And then the cleanup afterwards. 
that she and Larry do with all of that. I think that's hard work. I think that's difficult. But Larry and Joanne are able to do that because God's spirit works within them and empowers them and enables them to do it. It is not of Larry and Joanne. It is God who works within them to do wonderful things. And so when I read this passage, I'm so encouraged by what God is able to do through these men. They were just ordinary men. They didn't know these languages. But God uses them powerfully to do spectacular things through the presence of his spirit who just waits there as a power source to come into the lives of people and change them and enable them, empower them to do things that they otherwise couldn't do. Joanne and Larry are the same way. Many of you are the same way in the sense that you hear that call of God and you invite God to empower you with his spirit and you do things through him that you otherwise could never do. Don't you find that terribly exciting? Like, isn't that wonderful? Now, I can get on this bike and I'm, I'm not really that good. Like, did you notice me kind of wavering? Like, weren't there moments when you really did think, I don't know if he's going to make that corner? Now, I'm not going to say that there was some special power in me this morning. I would say there wasn't. I would say that I was fairly weak at this this morning. John Newfeld could ride this bike better than me. Ken Haywood could ride this bike better than me, although it's a little short for Ken. But they could ride this bike better than me. They ride bikes all the time. What is it? in your life that you would waver at. And you think to yourself, well, my start at this won't be so good. My abilities in this area are not so strong. But I think that by God's power working within me, I might just have the ability to do something for him and in him that I couldn't otherwise do. Well, I think there's a whole congregation of people like that. I, I look out and I can't think of anybody in here who is so inept and so untalented that were the Holy Spirit to come upon you that you would just have to say, I'm still a failure. I just can't do it. Even with the power of the Holy Spirit behind me, I can't get it done. I don't see anybody like that. Praise the Lord. What I see is a group of people who indeed are a bit inept, just like me, who don't have all the abilities. You don't have all the brains. You don't have all the power to get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. But fortunately for all of us, despite our sinfulness, despite our weaknesses, despite the things that we can't get done, God is ready, willing, able to empower us. In Ephesians 3.20, it says to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. And so what is it that you think, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm even bold enough to ask this. I don't even know if I'm strong enough or have the abilities or the background or whatever it takes in order to get this accomplished. What is it that God nonetheless wants to use you for? Because through his power and his ability, that's what he does. In this passage, you had some fishermen. You had a tax collector. You had one guy who was a what they call a zealot, which meant that he was just 
going around trying to defeat the Romans. You have people who apparently don't have tons of ability. But God does amazing things. And then, of course, there are some of you who have amazing talents. There are some of you who have amazing abilities. There are people in our room who are outstanding at organizing things. There are some of you who are outstanding at communicating to people and building relationships with people that you've never met before. You have the ability to just build relationships. There are some of you who are big picture people and can see things that other people can't see regarding vision. There are some of you who are people who just need to be told what to do and you are such a a perfect person for getting things accomplished if somebody can just show you what needs to be done. And I think it's a legitimate question to ask, how is it that you're going to use what God has given you as far as your abilities for Him? Surely, surely God isn't thinking what I really want for him or her is for them to come and to sin and worship for two hours a week on Sunday morning. Like that can't be the, the ultimate for God in terms of what he wants you to get accomplished. I'm thinking he, he, he must be wanting to use you for something more than that. And if he gifts you... As the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gifts the church with various abilities in order to accomplish things for him. Then what is it? What is it that God has gifted you with that is going to enable you to serve him in significant ways? Because I absolutely believe that he has. And again, the beautiful thing is that for you to do this, for for you to get these things accomplished for him... It depends not on you in terms of the power, but on Him. And you simply have to make yourself available. Is there anybody in the room who couldn't pull this trigger once the thing is plugged in? It's just so easy. The power is all there. We just have to access what God makes available to us. I praise the Lord that these men were willing to, despite all the things that they faced, and we're going to see this in coming weeks, the things that they faced, that they were nonetheless willing to say to God, I am your servant. Do with me what you will. And God showers down upon them his power to accomplish his will. Can you do that? Can you make yourself available to him? Can you be the next conduit through whom God will work powerfully because you opened up yourself to him? The power is ready. It's available. And he's proved it over and over again. Let's pray. Lord, you have showered down on us blessing after blessing and made available to us incredible opportunities, amazing power, 
and it's just there for us. Father, open us up. Help us to offer ourselves to you. And then come and fill us. I, I think of people here, God, who in the, in the coming days, coming weeks, in some small way, they're going to open themselves up and offer themselves to you. And Father, I pray that you would, through the presence of your Spirit, pour into them, infuse into them great power. Power to do more than they could ever ask or imagine. And help them to use that power and that blessing for your kingdom, for your good in our world. Help them to work significant acts of ministry and service that help to transform our community, change our world, because you're working through them. And Father, for those of us who have blinded eyes and just can't see it, for those of us who are, have distractions that keep us gazing elsewhere, bring into us some focus and help us to see you as our source of power. So take the scales from our eyes. Help us to see what you want to shower down on us. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.